and welcome to another edition of the VSA Capital Tech and Trans podcast. Uh, hi, Phil. How are you doing? Great. Excellent, Andrew. Very good. Good. Good, good. Now, we're a little bit late today. I apologise for those that like to you know, sort of catch this at midday. It'd like to be coming out nearer five o'clock. But um, you and I, Phil, we've been on a little company visit, haven't we? Uh, yes, we have. Um, this is always part of our role is to companies we talk about to try where we can to meet the management teams and to visit the companies. And the company we went to see actually was Nexus, uh, which we've talked about quite a lot in this podcast, podcast rather, uh, Nexus Infrastructure, to give it its full um, title. Um, yeah, we were their first visitors to their new office, actually, their very bright, shiny new office uh, up in Baintree. And a fan- fantastic chat, about two and a half hours of chatting. Um, I'm afraid we can't really talk about all of it on this one because we don't have the time, but also some things we talked about perhaps wouldn't be appropriate for this podcast. Um, but it was a very interesting chat. And, you know, I mean, just looking at, um, we may come back onto certain parts of the conversation during this podcast, but I mean, you know, to me, I think, uh, as you know, Phil, I do own stock. I put my hand up. I, so does my mother. I run her IHT fund. Um, but this is a very interesting company with three divisions. Um, and I suppose that's the bit that confuses some people when they look at it, because they look at it and they, they've got civils, they've got utilities, um, and they've got smart energy, which is what everybody looks at, you know, EV charging. And now I think they all actually tie in quite nicely together, even though they're separate divisions. Um, but, you know, if you did actually do a sum of the parts into each division, this thing would be worth, you know, two, three times what the current share price is. Um, Actually, you don't need to do some of the parts because they do all sort of help each other if you look towards the future, because the future is it is so different from what it is today. And people need to be starting to think about what a smart city looks like. And, and you know, in today's world, we don't really talk about smart cities. You know, you go into a conversation and the first thing you talk about is the EV you've just bought. You know, is it a Tesla or is it a Porsche, whatever they are, a Cayenne or something? You know, you can't get old one anyway. The waiting list is forever. Um, so, you know, you tend to think of EVs as sort of a standalone type business, but actually you need to expand your mind a bit more than that and think that actually in the future, um, the whole sort of residential um, utility services and the city industrial services will all sort of come together. And of course, that's why we're so fascinated by things like the Oxford Superhub because you know that is what they're doing to a large extent with some of these super hubs to completely change and create a smart city so, so, so they, they are it's all, it's all about it's it's all about electricity isn't it under at the end of the day and and electrification is wider than um necessarily you know the focus on electric vehicles it's a far wider thing well, and it's interesting, sir, because, you know, the thing about electricity, although it's been around for an awful long time, and in many ways it's remarkably simple, um, but it needs a lot of very clever and intelligent people to actually make it all work and connect together. And you're dealing, aren't you, with all sorts of different, you know, voltages and ampages and, and how you get all the demand supply equal. It's, it's actually pretty complex, isn't it? It, it, it is, and, and Andrew, a long time ago, and I will be rusty on this one, but I did study sort of electronics, electricity, and, and high voltage uh, in particular, which is required for electrical networks, high voltages and currents and switching them and generating them is a very, very tricky business. It's not all about, it's not just like sort of, you know, noughts and ones in a silicon chip. 
you're dealing with um, you know AC currents, which are waves, and have all their variances and frequencies and all sorts of effects. And it's difficult, difficult engineering. Um, but it doesn't get much publicity because it's not sexy in tech, as it were. Whereas you know the latest semiconductor tech may be with all its sort of billions of hertz and that it, that it's working up. But it's it's a, this is high end, um, high end engineering. That's for sure. Yeah. Um... And I, I tell you what, talking of, of, of things we're rusty and don't always fully understand, uh, this week we had um, announcements, actually, I think it's from National Grid and SSE. Mm. There's a lot, obviously, SSE is in the news for all sorts of reasons, because uh, also we've had um, Elliott advisors take a state and stir the pot up there. And I'll tell you what, we've been saying on this podcast for some time that Shell should buy SSE. And if, if there isn't a bidding war going to start on SSE soon, no, I'll be Bob's my uncle. Uh, he's not, but there you go. Um SSE is a classic takeover title. I think that's why Elliot advised it. But they put out an announcement all to do with, um, uh, well, the, the headline was the statement with the CMA provisional findings. But I, I'll be honest with you, I read this. Do you know what? I didn't understand it. Um, it's all to do with, um, I'm trying to read what it actually said. It's, it's the re- recovery of transmission owners' exposure or something, transmission network use or whatever. I, uh, do you know, I just couldn't get it, Phil. I don't know if you got it at all. Uh, <laughs> as with all things related to the grid, um, I suspect it, it's it's pretty complicated. And I think it is one of those things that could do with a little bit of clarification because um, SSE is a distribution network operator, I think, a DNO um, um, and DNOs are the folks that actually own the cables and the wires that come from the grid and connect into your home. And I think it it might be related to that, but yeah, it's something that's uh, that needed. It's really, of, it's really confusing. Really changes, changes to how the transition network use of system charges are recovered. I, I, I'll tell you what, I don't get it. I think what it means is basically that the the bill goes to SSE and, and National Grid rather than onto the the guy at the other end who's putting in uh the systems so anyway look if there's anybody out there who can explain this all to us we'd be happy to have a little explanation wouldn't we phil we would be absolutely delighted um but it's <laughs> it shows how um this this whole space with the energy transition is actually changing and what's happening. You know, they used to mention the flipping grid before. You know, you'd hardly see any news on the electricity grid or the electricity supply. And um, and my word, you certainly do today. And that's because what's happening out there is getting more and more complicated. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, SSE, as you, you're highlighting um, as a utility, is has, has its, certainly has its attractions in what it's doing. But also, just I mean, this space is becoming incredibly valuable. I'm going to give you an example of an announcement, and I'm actually going to just pull this one up a little bit because it's come out today. Uh, which is that a company called um, EO Charging? Some people may know it actually as that's the holding company name. Some people may know it as a Juice uh, or Juice Limited, which is one of Europe's largest EV charging companies, has just done a deal with a US SPAC. Um, the US SPAC being called, I'm going to have to read this one out as well, FRSG, which is First Reserve Sustainable Growth Core. Um, so they've just done this deal where they've merged in and it leaves it basically 
with a value of you know six seven hundred million dollars and about a quarter of a billion dollars of cash um and that's just to say it's just come up on the screens today um it's extraordinary the values being produced for these things um and obviously what we have here to a certain extent interesting of eo i'm just reading eo was ranked number 27 of the financial times list of europe's fastest growing companies mm-hmm. um so i i think it's it, these things are growing very fast they're clearly very valuable what is interesting is you know this is the americans taking an interest in it as well and the americans obviously tend to look at multiples of revenue whereas some of us old farts excuse the word uh in the uk still look at you know earnings per share and that sort of thing um so um you know we we've got to start re-looking so when you look at this is why i say i think that nexus is so undervalued if you look at we we don't know that i don't know off the top of my head the exact split of revenues etc for all the different divisions but their their e-charging division must be you know this is worth as it puts it here the numbers that it's producing this sort of number i mean what is that worth for you, you can't answer off the top of your head on this podcast, but it's bloody exciting anyway. Uh, and that is a very exciting US SPAC deal um, that I think people should be having a look at. And so it's just come out today, the announcement's up there. It, look, hey, it's, fa- it's fantastic. I mean, what's, for, I, to my mind, very exciting is, you know, the, the areas that Nexus are involved in, in uh, and their, their expertise in, in the whole charging infrastructure space. And they're UK-based, right? And, uh, and EOA. They are. They're actually they're backed by Zoop, which of course is is related to the government, isn't it? Uh Um, And it actually says in this announcement here, combination with Precision EO is the first UK-based EV charging company to list on public markets. Actually, that's not totally true because Nexus has a UK-based EV charging business and it's listed on a public market. Maybe it's the first to list on an American public market. Right, but it's nice to know that a company that's based in Stowmarket uh, in Suffolk can, uh, you know, develop to that scale and uh, raise that amount of capital. And uh, yeah, the UK, you know, companies like Nexus, the UK's got a lot of very special things in this, uh, in in the transitional area. And uh, hence, you and I get very excited and talk about them. We do get very excited. Actually, I tell you what, moving on. But I mean, I tell you what, I mean, people should look at that. That is a really interesting situation which shows the value of nexus but let's move on a bit because it's not all sunshine and whatever um because there's another company actually this does tie into the same sort of things another company on nasdaq i've been looking at called itron um it's about a two and a half billion company um american company and it also actually has <laughs> ev charging and utility so it's probably very similar to to nexus in many ways um Two and a half billion dollars. That's where it's different. It's over ten times the size. Um, but actually, the one reason I've been looking at it is, unfortunately, they've had a bit of a profits warning. Um, but it's it's because of a macro situation, which will be affecting a lot of other companies actually um, around the world, and that is these supply chain issues, um, which you know we're seeing. Obviously, the cost of materials go up, and we're seeing supply chain blockages particularly coming out of China. I mean, today we saw the closure of um, Ningbo Zhuzhong uh, port, which I think is the third largest export port in China. Uh, and this is becoming a problem across, you know, the whole transition energy sector, which obviously has a lot of 
component parts coming out of China. So you do also just have to make sure you don't get caught in that trap um, because that can be a bit of an issue. But again, you know, Itron is a very interesting company because it has these similarities. And I think, um, you know, we know that there are companies out there like ChargePoint in the US uh, and all of these companies, they're on huge multiples of revenue. And yet back in the UK, we're just doing it on a PE basis. So actually, you know, we wonder why we're seeing all these takeovers, which we are seeing at the moment of, you know, be it Megit or Ultra Electronics and, you know, ones that have gone before like Cobham. It's because in the UK, we value these companies really rather differently to the US and they come along and go, well, we'll buy that. I think, I think sometimes the US looks, uh, maybe looks a little closer at what's actually in there as well in terms of the you know the technology the value of that technology how they can take it how they can exploit it and grow it in their own markets there's i think there's quite an element of that sometimes is not realizing you know the value of the jigsaw piece itself and so if you look at some of these the defense acquisitions i mean already those companies are you know some of those companies are have a lot of their sales are in the us already the, the you know the uk companies like Megit, um but it's what they've got do you know what I mean? In terms of, uh, of 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 the tech, it's like ultra electronics. That Sonoboy technology. Mm. Um, you know, the, what is the real value in there of that of that tech and the and the further market, the wider market potential of that, or their ability, you know, the acquirer's ability to take it and put more money in and grow it further and you know create new products. It's all that that kind of element as well. Sometimes I think you know can get can be missed. Well, tech is very easy to move, isn't it? You know, if you're a market leader in a small country, there's no reason why you can't be a market leader in a large country because you can just move it. It's not like, you know, if you're a high street retailer, you can't move that. Correct. That is absolutely correct. Anyway, let's... Uh, actually, I'll tell you, before we go on to some results, I couldn't help but laugh a little bit. There was a, a massive, uh, the largest ever crypto hack, wasn't there, this this uh, week? And then, then the guy actually sent most of it back saying he really wasn't interested in money. I should, well, what can you say? Six hundred million dollars. Well, that's from the Poly Network. Uh, was, yeah, <laughs> I saw that on the news. Saw that on the news yesterday. That was astonishing. I mean, I, I don't know if anyone's ever done a bank job and actually stolen six hundred million pounds out of a bank. <laughs> out of a bank, but but yeah, didn't want didn't want the Obviously, did it for the did it for the technical challenge. It's a funny world we live in. Funny world we live in, Phil. And, and I'll tell you the other thing that was has caught my eye this week, and uh, is the um, and it, I, I sort of see the logic of it. The Chinese were clamping down on on electronic gaming, uh, and they've now clamped down actually on sort of karaoke bars and after work drinking and that sort of thing, uh, and are encouraging people to play more sport, which actually I'm I'm totally with. You know that's what I do, um, but of course it's to as they put it to get these people off some of these you know what they call almost virtual drugs um and stay healthy can't well can't not that and uh, well, that, that could have an impact on tech as well because it's a lot of the techy type stuff that you know people get hooked on so well, yeah, but maybe going to the chinese equivalent of peloton you know fitness equipment so <laughs> the market will just it, it will just move but, ski uh, equipment first actually they've got the winter olympics coming up haven't they Right, okay, well, there you go. You spotted that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Anyway, let's have a look. We got we've had a few um, had a few trading statements and results out. We've run through a few of them. I'll let you do most of them because you're the analyst. But there's one I would point out, one that's a bit of a, a bugbear of mine, shall I say, and that's Xeros Technologies. They, they actually have some very clever technology potentially, which is for washing machines. Uh, the only problem is washing machines have been around for ages. We've all sort of got them. Uh, we, they're cheap and cheerful. And do we really need washing machines that use less water, um, but that are going to cost us a lot of money? Now, there's potentially an interesting industrial use. The real problem this company's had is that it is over-promised horribly and under-delivered horribly. Over a huge period of time, it's raised massive amounts of money. And it lasted a fundraise at the beginning of this year. And it said, look, with this money, we can get through to break even so long as nothing changes. The only problem is they've now come out and said, mm, it's not going quite as well as we hoped. Uh, we have sold a washing machine to India. Um, but by saying that, that implies that things have changed. So I think it's pretty certain that they will be coming back for a fundraise probably towards the end of the year. Um, so, you know, it's, yeah, market cap 50 million, Okay, it's the stocks come back so far. You could argue it's you know this it's had various splits and things, but it was uh, it was hugely high valued. It's come back about ninety nine point nine 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 percent. Forty five million. Maybe there's not much downside, but it's it's pretty disappointing as a company. And and there's been no management change throughout this period either, which I, I find surprising as well. But there you go. That's my view. Uh, I say it's actually got some very interesting technology. Uh, what are you seeing, Phil? Oh, well, this is one we have discussed before, and it's, uh, it's on a slightly larger scale. It's uh, Spyrex, Spyrex Sarko. X, yeah, they were pretty good, weren't they? SPX. Uh, yeah, had its, had its interim. So, so there's a few, you always look at big companies because they've got a wider view of the world, um, and you can get, get a feel for what's really going on. So a comment during their results, their interims, before we get into those, they said during the first half of 2021, global industrial production expanded by 11% compared to a 7% contraction in the same period of last year. So that was, uh, that was this is in their interims to June. So we know where we were last year. So industrial production recovering strongly in that, what they see in the market. Uh, what they do, um, Spark Sarco specialise in steam management. Uh, you think, what on earth is that all used for? Well, because steam is used in sterilising in the majority of industrial processes. Uh, particularly, uh, you know, in food production, but it's used in oil refining, making beer, um, and drug manufacturing. So steam is used very, very widely across across industry. So that's one part of the business, and the other is peristaltic pumps, which are pumps that have uh, difficult to describe this on a podcast, but basically it's an internal rotor with rollers attached that rotate round and are squeezing a tube, and the fluid in the passes through the tube and round and out. Um, but what it means is that the fluid doesn't make any contact with the pump. So if you are pumping something that needs to be completely clean and sterile, i.e. you are pumping fluids in a hospital, for instance, or you are pumping fluids in laboratories for drug discovery, you need peristaltic pumps, but they're also used to handle wastewater, they're used in the mining industry uh, and in the wider water industry. Anyway, so there's two businesses. Um, and how are they doing? They've got organic sales were up 17% and their operating profits, this is such an attribute that we look for, up 42%. Called operational gearing, 
where you know your revenue will raise at one rate, but it drops right through to profits, and their uh, adjusted profit before tax are 39%. So really good set of um, you know straight organic. Uh, growth and recovery there, and uh, of course the share price uh, has been has been reacting. Other thing of note, I thought in this statement was that they have said that uh, they brought forward their uh, net zero goals um, for for two hundred to two thousand and thirty, and they will include, and this relates to our start of our conversation, one hundred percent of electricity to be sourced or self generated from renewable sources, and one hundred percent of our vehicle fleet to be electric. And so you can see where, um, you know, some of the, the drive, there's a there's a driver EV infrastructure uh, and the whole network beyond us buying Teslas. Well, I've not bought one yet, but you know what I mean? It's 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 big businesses like this electrifying their whole fleet. Uh, yeah, I mean, the answer is it's massive. And I think, you know, I'm not sure we've quite got the hang of it in this stock market is how big it is but anyway yeah but those were pretty good results from Spirit Psycho and I appreciate the uh your your description of how, how the business works because I hadn't realized that <laughs> <laughs> there you go now, look, I'll do another one that you've mentioned in the past um where there's a bit of activity um actually there's two you've mentioned in the past where I think some trading update and activity one was TP group the other is Northbridge yeah uh yeah Right, of TP Group, uh, ticker is TPG, and uh, market cap is 40 million. Um, they appointed a new CEO on August the 6th, and um, they said on Tuesday this week that they'd seen an approach regarding a, uh, they've had an approach regarding a merger um, uh, or further investment from Science Group PLC, who are clear, they're also quoted. Um, and hold a 10% stake in the company. And, and Science Group, uh, in a separate statement on the same day, on Tuesday this week, it was all go, uh, said that they've written to TP Group on Monday to encourage the company to consider accepting strategic investment or a potential merger. Um, and we've, you know, we kind of looked at this before, looked at TP Group, Andrew, because they've got, uh, they're developing um, one of their businesses, I hasten to add, uh, a hydrogen electrolyzer tech, but they also have a business in, uh, oxygen generating equipment for submarines. Um, but, you know, they've acquired a very large consulting business of software engineering, uh, but they have other, uh, you know, other businesses in defense, energy, and the, the space market. So it's quite a wide area of activity. But what's been, what was quite interesting about this statement is that clearly Science Group has been trying to make approaches for them. Um, and they said that, um, they raised concerns about TP's group, uh, you know, as a, as a going concern. They'd highlight that from their results and and said that they've been getting rebuffed from TP group. So anyway, let's see what happens happens in that whole thing. Hmm. But well, we love, we love a bit of action like that. <laughs> well, well, I have to say exactly. Um, <laughs> but but again, it's, yeah, it's all about recognizing what is in there, and 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 it's all about drawing you know, drawing out within a company. What's in there? A real, real value that's getting overlooked, and obviously, Science Group believe there are things in there that are getting overlooked in mm. terms of what they what they've got. So that's that. Um, yeah, Northbridge uh, tickers MBI market cap thirty one million had a uh, they had a trading update. It's a pre closed trading update for their you know interims to June. So Northbridge Industrial, and they're saying the revenue was up by you know twenty two percent to to nineteen point six million. 
um, which is a which is a nice recovery. And I'm sure that you know first half was tougher last year because of because of COVID, and um, you know and they've got higher gross margins as a result of that. But it, of interest to us and the bit I like in this business is the Crest Chick. Uh, business that they have and, and crash chip make things that are called load banks load banks are pieces of electrical equipment that are used to simulate electrical loading so if you have a data center for instance which are huge users of electricity you want to be able to simulate how all those computer servers are going to perform in terms of the electricity that they're drawing out of the network. You know, will you have a, you know, is the power supply going to be constant? Are there any faults that you're already detecting before you hook those computers in and have any failures? Stress testing electrical systems is what a load bank does. And that's what Northbridge Industrial um, develops and supplies. And they were saying, you know, sales in this particular area for the Crestwick business were up 19 uh, 19% and really strong demand from data centers um, worldwide there. Uh, but they said there's some supply disruption to effect, slightly affecting margins, quote unquote. But again, it's just this, you know, something that's of real interest in this business and that's, and that's special, that's different. And that's in a market that's, um, you know, undergoing kind of structural growth. So they are, you know, they're looking at investing and, and, um, and expanding that business. That was really interesting. I mean, it is interesting. It's not a it's not a massive market cap. It's only just over 13 million on my screens here. Uh, and back in uh, 2015, it was trading up more like oh, look at the price here, uh, over six six pounds a share. It's now only one pound twelve. Uh, yeah. So there's clearly some some value there that you know it got into trouble and value was lost that could come back again. Um, I think we ought to go. Where are they based? For? We should probably go and see them. I don't know, Andrew. I'll look on the website and I'll look at the map. But it's probably somewhere up north. I'll get told off for that. But anywhere anywhere above Watford is up north in my book. So yeah, we get told off from me because I was born in Cheshire and I was brought up just south of Glasgow. So yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, Cheshire's miles up north, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. You need passport almost for that. Um, <laughs> right. Um, we're waffling away again here. Hey, well, any anything else you've got? I mean, because it is quite quiet. It's August. We don't have to go on forever if it's August and it's quiet. It is very quiet, I have to say. I think we've covered sort of most of the areas we wanted to cover today. But as people get back from their summer holidays and more news is coming out, I'm sure we will be looking at it very closely. Actually, I would just finish off by saying we may have to almost rebrand this podcast to Tech Trans and Brands. Um, because we're starting an awful lot of work in the brand sector, aren't we? Which is often quite techy. I mean, we have Samarkand. We've talked a lot about that in the past, yeah. which is brands and technology. And that's the way it's all sort of going. Um, but we're doing a lot of work in the brand space now, aren't we? And, and it's fascinating. Um, but again, these are things which, which are really are value on revenue numbers rather than earnings per share. So, uh, uh, but anyway, we're not quite there yet to rebrand it, but it could become tech trend. Sorry, tech, trans, and brands. It's got a nice ring to it. <laughs> That's a real mouthful. <laughs> right, on that note, we'll uh, call it a day. Uh, uh, as we always say, if anybody's got questions, do get in contact with us. Anybody's got um, companies that they'd like us to have a look at, get in contact with us. Uh, and thank you for all the messages that we do get sent and all the compliments from people who say, although it's a bit nutty, they actually enjoy listening to it on their drive home. Uh, speak to you all next week. Excellent. 
Cheers, Andrew.